Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, Money on the Mind. This is the new series that we're kicking off February with. And uh, I want to, you know, the, the tagline for this series is Money Mindsets for a Happier Life. How many of you get some misery when it comes to the subject of money from time to time? How many? Yeah, okay. We've got three honest people in the building. <laughs> you know, money is, how's you, let me ask you the question, how is your relationship with money? You know, it's complicated. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting because Jesus actually had more to say about money than he had to say about the devil or hell. He talked about it more than he talked about the devil. In fact, when it came to competition between, when, he, when, he, when it talks about other gods, Jesus actually called money the, the only competition to himself. He didn't call the devil competition to himself. He called money competition to himself. So the subject of money, obviously, this is something that might get a little complicated in our relationship with money. Jesus had a lot to say about it, how we handle our money, but more importantly, how our heart handles money, how we handle our heart in regards to money. Why is money important? Why do we talk about it at church? Well, because, uh, because money is a part of everybody's life. And you can't, you can't get through this life... You can't live life well if you don't learn to handle money well. If you, you can have great relationships, great friendships, great family, but if you handle money poorly, you will be a stressed out individual. Isn't it true? And what, why, why is it important? Well, money is important because it's potent. And things that are potent are important. Relationships are potent. You know, we've all, we've all had good relationships that lift us up, or we've had negative relationships that drag us down. Why? Because relationships are potent. You know, we see it, uh, sexual desire is potent. People get themselves into all sorts of trouble. We'll just stop right there and move on, <laughs> because potent things are powerful. Great harm can be caused in our lives when we do not handle potent things well. And so this is, this is uh, uh, marriage counselors tell us money issues is one of the, the big three marriage killers. Communication, sex, and money. The big three potent things that, that matter. And so I wanted to, to refer to uh, a portion in Matthew chapter 6, which oftentimes uh, comes up at offering time. And uh, I, I, it's funny, I was just, just a little sidetrack here. I noticed Melissa likes to quote out of the book of Mark a lot. 
It's her favorite book in the Bible. That's her husband's name, just in case. He, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> and so now we'll be back on track. I'm going to quote out of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, and this is, this is Jesus, this is in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching how to live well. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's how to live in the kingdom, how to, live, how to align your life to the kingdom of heaven, or the, the values, more specifically, living in the values of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, this is what he said, some people store up treasures in their homes here on earth, this, this is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Moths and rust will eat up any treasure you may store here. Thieves may break into your homes and steal your precious trinkets. Instead, put, put up your treasures in heaven where moths do not attack. I'd like to attacking moths. <laughs> we have, like, killer bees, murder, murder hornets, and attacking moths. Where moths do not attack, where rust does not corrode, and where thieves are barred at the door. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, you know, we, we talk about this a lot at, at offering time, but this is, this is really, uh, to understand this, this portion of, the, of Matthew chapter 6, you actually have to keep moving down the chapter and keep reading. And uh, this is... This is a question, first of all, I think what we can do is pause at this section and say, and ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves a question, what is treasure to me? What is treasure? Because you don't know where to store your treasure until you define what treasure is going to be. You know, if you, if, if, what the, what the question we need to ask ourselves is where do, where do I want my heart to be? And then I define treasure accordingly. So do I want my heart to be in my bank balances? In my investment portfolios? Do I want my heart to be stuck in the car I drive? Or the house I live in? Or do I want my heart to be in the people I'm around? Do I want my heart to be in my family or my friendships? Do, where, what is going to be my treasure? Is my faith going to be my treasure? Or is my business going to be my treasure? My career, maybe the image of what others think of me, is that going to be my treasure? The first thing we have to do is define what is treasure going to be for me? What is treasure going to be? And Jesus gives us a little hint. Put it on something that's greater than just what's on this earth. And then he goes on to say, The eye is the lamp of the body. You draw light into your body through your eyes, and light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds. And the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who's gone astray, that is the deepest, darkest darkness there is. Now, you have to realize this isn't a separate verse from the one. This isn't a separate teaching from what we just learned about treasure. He's talking about 
remember this is in, in the context of treasure, that which gets the attention of our eye is that that's what we get fixed upon. That's what our that's what our gaze and our attention becomes fixed upon. And and this uh, it says when when it talks about the eye in the Bible, it's actually talking about your attention. It's talking about what gets your focus, what gets your concentration, what gets your what what gets your attention during the day. What do you continually find yourself returning to, thinking about? It's challenging times we live in, isn't it? The eye is that which gets our attention and our gaze. And, and what, we consider what we consider treasure is what will get our attention. It's what will get our focus. It's what will, it's what will, and what gets our focus is what he's saying here is what gets your focus is what will fill you up. So, if what gets your focus is what's wrong in the world today, what will fill your heart is what's wrong in the world today. It's, even in, in these times, it's a, it's a challenge to remember our, that, that outrage doesn't produce hearts of life. <laughs> we seem to be living in a day and age where outrage is easy, but outrage is dark. Outrage, bitterness is dark, but bitterness gets our attention. And what Jesus is saying is don't let, don't let these things of the world, if our treasure is in this world, then when something wrong is in this world, it gets our attention. And then what gets our attention begins to fill our heart. He's saying get our focus on something greater than just, just what's in this world around us. And in verse 24, this is what I referred to earlier. No one can serve two masters. And he's talking again. This is about treasure. This is about attention. This is, this is about what gets, gets our heart. No one can serve two masters. If you will try, you will wind up loving the first master and hating the second, or vice versa. People try to serve both God and money, but you can't. You must choose one or the other. And this is, this is interesting here because most translations of the Bible call this uh, people try to serve both God and money, but in, in the Greek, that, that word money is actually the word mammon. And it's, it, is, uh, it, it, does, it does include money, but it's more than money. Mammon is more complicated than just money. It would be more accurate to define mammon as the pursuit of uh, more like a status of wealth, an image. It's, it would be more like, I want, I want to look like I'm a certain kind of person in the world today. I want to look like I've achieved a certain amount of success. This is, this is closer to what this word mammon actually means. It's not actually just money. It's kind of all the trappings that go with it. And Jesus is saying this, you can't, you can't want that and have that not affect your heart towards me. If you want to have this certain image, 
or you want to achieve this certain status, your desire for that will sabotage your desire for me. And he's saying this isn't something where you like balance, you know, balance a scale. Like, you know, well, I'll just take a little bit of love for Jesus and put it over in the, you know, the bank account side. He's saying as soon as you do that, the whole scale goes out. He's saying there is no balance between me and mammon. What's interesting is at no point here does he say having money is bad. But he says money having us. Money having us carries very real negative consequences. And so then he goes on to, de- he goes on to give further instruction. And re- really he goes on to define where does this, this love, this love for mammon or this love for achievement come, comes from. He's, and, he, and he just gets right to the heart of it. Here's the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you clothe your body. Living is more than merely eating, and the body is, more, is about more than dressing up. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not store food for winter. They don't plant gardens. They don't sow or reap. And yet they are always fed because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. Just tell the person next to you, you are more precious than a beautiful bird. I love corny things. You are more precious than a beautiful bird. And if he looks after them, of course he will look after you. Worrying does not do any good. Who here can claim to add even an hour to his life by worrying? We know that worrying will take an hour off of your life. Worrying does not do any good. Nor should you worry about clothes. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or weave or sew, and yet their garments are stunning. Even King Solomon, dressed up in his most regal garb, was not as lovely as a lily. Think about the grassy fields. The grasses are here now, but they will be dead by winter, and yet God adorns them so radiantly. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith, you who have no trust? Now, to me, this is pretty harsh. Like, this seems like, you know, why would you, why would you give such clear... Why would you be so, like, don't worry about eating? You know, if I don't have food for a few hours, I get peckish. I get grouchy. And I, I would worry if I didn't know where food was coming from. And yet here's Jesus saying, you don't need to worry about this. So why would he, why would he tell us to trust him in this context because he knew how hard of a time we would have trusting him in the context of provision. He knew, how div- he knew that, that there's a war in our hearts for worry about what we have. There's a war in our hearts for worry about whether we'll have enough. Worry, what he calls worry for the future. You know, there's... When it comes to money on the mind, there's a myth that thinking more money will make us happy. 
And there is a certain amount of truth, but there's a limit to that. And we think, you know, you know, money, money will fix problems, and it might fix some exterior problems, but you know what money won't fix? It won't fix your heart. Money won't fix your attitude. Money won't fix your marriage. Money won't fix your friendships. And it's interesting they, that uh, the uh, so, so, sociologists have done a study on like what is, what, is the, what is the optimal income to make for happiness, which is I found is a very interesting study because most of us, you know, what's the optimal? To you, what, what number would you have to make to think that that number, I would be completely happy? And most of us, you know, we're, we're popping up to seven, eight figures thinking that number would make me happy. And it's, it's actually shockingly low. The number, the, the income, the household income for optimal happiness is $140,000. And some of you think, well, that's not that low. <clears throat> but, but in relative to thinking what would make you happy, that's actually a pretty low number, isn't it? That's not a, that's, that's not a, all my needs are met and I don't have to worry about anything. That's still, that's still low enough that you have to be smart with your money. You have to manage it. And what's interesting about this is we think that, well, you know, 200,000 would be better, but the, the actual research says you will actually be less happy with 200,000 than 140. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it's, it's basically why I'm saying it's a myth thinking more money will make you happier. And the, what, makes, what makes lives happy isn't stuff. What makes people happy isn't stuff. And this, this series about money on the mind, it's about how to get money off the mind. It's about how to get money in the right place in our life. See, because money's potent. But it also needs to be managed. It, if it's managed well, it, it can work tremendous good in our lives. And so, Jesus goes on to give some practical steps. I love practical steps. And this is what he says. So don't consume yourself with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? The first thing he, he basically says here is stop worrying about things. Stop being consumed about the what ifs in your life. Outsiders, verse, verse 32, outsiders make themselves frantic over such, such questions and they don't realize that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you too. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is large enough task for today. The first thing, stop being consumed with the wrong questions. Stop being worried about all the stuff. Stop giving it the prime real estate in your thinking. And then he goes on to say, 
Second is pursue that which is most important. Pursue that which is most important. By, by choosing the greatest things, the things that are lesser come into order. And I was listening to a podcast this week by uh, Jordan Peterson. I know some of you are, are fans. Some people hate. <clears throat> but uh, he made a great statement about this verse, about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he, he basically said this, by choosing to pursue the highest good, we're ensuring that our lives are always heading in the right direction. And then he made this, he made this great statement. He said, because you don't know what you need. You don't know what you need. You don't even know what you want. It's really true. Have you ever wanted something so bad and then you got it? And it's like, oh, that was a lot of work for nothing. You don't, not only do you not know what you need, you don't know what you want. What, what do you want in 20 years? I'll tell you something. As now a 51-year-old, my 31-year-old self was clueless as to what my 51-year-old self needed. My 31-year-old my self would, was pursuing things that my 51-year-old self says, you're a dolt. <laughs> that was a waste of your life energy. See, the, the reason Jesus says pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because he knows that in 30 years or in 40 years or in 50 years, you will not regret pursuing his rightness in your life. You will be setting yourself up for the best possible future you can by pursuing the best now. And the best is God's kingdom. The best is his rightness in our lives, his righteousness. And Jesus is saying, if you will, just, if you will pursue the highest good right now in your life, you're not going to have to worry about all these other things as you go through life. Because by pursuing the highest good, you're allowing God to bring the, the greatest things into your future. And they're not things that you know now. They're the things that when you get there, you'll realize, wow, what I did back there because I, I chose the highest good, it set me up for the greatest future. And so here's... Here's a couple of things. I want to give you a couple practical things of my own. Is when it comes to money on the mind, is we, we need to pre-decide. Andy, Andy Stanley talked about this in his message, How to Be Rich. He said we need to pre-decide. Pre-decide the role that money is going to play in our lives. Predecide the role that money will play in our lives. You know, a budget is a key tool in predeciding. See, there's one of the things in my 20s and 30s that uh, we did a lot of spending by feeling. Anybody know this experience? Spending by feeling. And what is spending by feeling? Well, if I feel I really need it, I buy it. It's amazing as you walk through Costco. <laughs> Get all the feels. <laughs> and you, you go through, and you, you walk through the knife department. And it's like, well, those are lovely knives. 
And look at they're only $175 for those lovely knives. I would like some lovely, li- lovely uh, knives in my home. And then you walk 10 more feet, and look at those mixing bowls. <laughs> and then you get to the guys, to the tool section. Look out. Only 30 bucks for that 100-foot extension cord? Where I, I'm going to have to admit to a guilty purchase. <clears throat> you see the, the new work lights they got there, guys? Did you see them? They're cordless and they're bright. It's like looks like a regular halogen work light, but it's not. It's LED and it's like 8 billion lumens. I seriously, I turned it on and the lady at the end of the aisle got a sunburn. Like this is, and I work. So I'm thinking, I need that work light. I bought the work light. I don't know where this is going in the message other than the fact that when we, when we buy by feeling, when we spend by feeling, we get ourselves into trouble, don't we? I believe in budgets because budgets get your money under control. And when you control your money, then you're actually controlling your thinking. You're controlling your heart. You're controlling your anxiety. And the reason we budget is not to think about money more. It's actually we, we budget because we want to think about money less. And if it's under control, you'll think about it less because it's under control. And I want to just encourage you, you know, if you don't have a budget, then get one because you can't change what you can't control. You can't change what you don't control. And uh, budgets help you control a lot. They'll control, help you control your feelings. They'll help you control your heart. They'll help you control your anxiety. Uh, Rachel Cruz, in her book, she, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, she says, she says this about a budget. By wor- by what, basically, what a budget does is it allows you to trade off your big worries for a lot of little ones that are manageable. And by, by being a little bit concerned all the time, you avoid the large anxiety of a big looming debt or a huge credit card balance or, or something that threatens to undermine you, you don't have to be, ec- when, you, when you have excess, you be frugal. Make sure you have an emergency fund so that the little unexpected crises aren't always a stressful experience. Give yourself margin. Pre-decide the role that money's going to play. Pre-decide. When it comes to giving, I'll tell you right now, if you don't pre-decide, you won't give. We're, and I, I'm not talking about just giving to the church. I'm, just ta- I'm talking about giving in general. If we don't pre-decide, we won't do it. The things that you, if, if we talk about this, there, there's, there's a few of us that, that meet in the mornings to work out. And we, we've talked about this many times. It's like if we hadn't pre-decided that we're meeting at 6.30 a.m., we would not. What, all of our beds are more comfortable. 
but we've pre-decided. Just pre-decide. I need to keep moving here. If you need help with the budget, I would encourage you pick up pick up a book on budgeting. Um, there's also there's also courses you can take like the Financial Peace University. Get get it under control. You're never nobody is ever perfect when it comes to managing money, but we can set ourselves up for much better. We, we can set ourselves up for, for money to play a much healthier role in our lives. All right, and then the, the last challenge here, and this is, I want to, we've talked about this before, but as, as a spiritual practice or as a, just a habit we carry out, I want to, I want to encourage us to simplify. In, encourage us to simplify. Find contentment in that which we have. And I want to, I just want to encourage you, you know, 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says, godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. Righteousness with contentment is in itself great wealth. And here's, here's just a little, a little simplifying exercise. You, you can choose to do it or not, but go, go through a 30 day purge where you buy only what you need and see at the end of 30 days if you felt like you were restricted or if actually at the end of 30 days you realized there was a lot of stuff I didn't buy that I actually didn't need because you went through this process. That was one of the things I found like on the onset of COVID is that there was more money in the bank. Well, because we couldn't do anything and then I discovered at the end of, you know, probably about three, four months, I realized there was a lot of things I was spending money on that it was just distraction. It was just lights at Costco. <laughs> Challenge yourself to simplify. Live as minimally as you can for 30 days and just put a 30-day hold on non-essential purchases. Then ask, after that, start asking the question, before you make a financial commitment or before you spend something, ask yourself, why am I buying this? Am I looking for this to, to satisfy something that's, that I think is it's going to make me happy? That it's going to complete me? Oh, light, you complete me. Shut up. You had me at LED. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Mike, you should be quiet now. All right, let's stand up. I got too many notes. But if anything in this, like this challenge to simplify, would be this, is just turn this into a Matthew 6, 33 um, kind of life question is like, is this pursuing the highest good? Is what I'm committing my finance to pursuing the highest good? Is what, am I, is what I'm committing my attention to the highest good? That's what simplifying is. Simplify to, to focus our lives on what is, the, what is the greatest thing I can be pursuing right now in my life? What is the greatest thing, you know, and for, for all of us, 
there's always different emphasis in different seasons. For some, it's like, I need to pursue more time with my family. For some, it's I need to pursue, I need to pursue more time with friends. I'm getting isolated. I know when in building a career, it's so easy to isolate and just be focused on building a career, just be focused on earning money, or just be focused on, you know, you're starting a business. It's easy to let that get all your attention. So what is the greatest good that I can be giving my life to at this time? So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your, you, you cared about us enough to warn us about letting money not get the wrong, wrong place in our heart, the wrong place in our attention. And Father, we, will, we don't want to be pursuing something that in the end just leads to darkness, that in the end just leads to a heart that's clouded, but we want to pursue the greatest good. You can even pray with me, Jesus, help me to pursue the greatest good for my life. Help me to see where I've been blinded by the lure of this world and the things in this world, where it's caused me to become anxious or worried, where you've told me to put my trust in you and pursue the greatest good. I want to pursue the greatest good for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to pray another prayer. It's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you have, maybe you're here or maybe you're watching right now and you've never said yes to him or his plan or his purpose. You know, it's as easy as saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow in your plan. We're going to pray together. And if you want to be included in that prayer, just join us now as we pray. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to live in your plan and your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.